Welcome to the Chapel Grove Church Podcast, the Bible-centered show that focuses on searching the scriptures to find answers to common spiritual questions. To learn more, go to chapelgrovechurch.com. And now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today's episode is a little different than the ones you may have heard previously if you've been listening to the podcast. In today's episode, one of our congregational teachers, Chance Dyer, is taking the mic as host of today's episode, and he's going to be interviewing Caleb Daniel, one of the fathers within our Chapel Grove congregation. I wanted to do this introduction, though, before we get into the episode, because uh, Chance is going to be hosting future episodes as well, in addition to uh, a few other brothers who are going to, we're just going to take turns hosting the podcast. So I wanted to introduce you to Chance. So uh, Chance, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Etienne. I appreciate the introduction. And today's conversation will be about parenting and things that parents can do to guide their children. Uh, It's a longer episode today than it typically has been what Etienne's produced so far. And I think a good verse that kind of brings us into the right mind frame is 1 John chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. The Bible says, I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto the fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. We hope that this episode with me and Caleb helps you overcome the wicked one. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, and he will be walking us through some helpful tips on Christian parenting. Since I'm not a parent yet, I figured I I better go out and seek somebody who had a little more experience with me. And today I have Caleb Daniel with me, and he's going to run through a few points. So, Caleb, just as a point of reference for our audience today, how many kids do you have and how old is each one of your kids? We've got six kids. Um, Candy is 20. Molly is 14. Lucy's 12. Willow's 10. Eli is 7. And Bear is around 18 months. And I hope that I got all those ages right. (laughs) I bet it can be hard to kind of keep, keep all those straight sometimes. Yeah. So he might know a thing or two about what he's talking about. And when I was looking for somebody to ask to come on the show today, I tried to keep in mind uh, somebody's kids who were just an absolute joy to be around anytime that they were there. Um, very polite, very well-mannered, just just a joy to be around. And the first kids that popped into my mind were, were Caleb's kids. So I was like, well, you know, if I want some kids to act like that, might as well go to the source. Caleb, what's what's the first thing the that you teach your kids as far as bringing them up in the admonition of the Lord? Well, first, I got to say, you said a lot of nice things about me there, and I, I do not feel worthy at all to sit here and tell anybody how to be a parent. I, I do have experience. You're right about that. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes, you know, that I could uh, that I could pass on and I'm still learning. Um my kids are wonderful and I give God the glory for that. Um, I don't feel like that I'm doing anything that God hasn't asked me to do as a father. And I certainly have done lots that that he would not have me do and made lots of mistakes. Um, I do have wonderful children and I give God the glory for that. Um, it's an honor to be asked to be here. What you, what the nice things you said about me. Um, that's, that's an honor and I don't feel worthy. So, but I appreciate you saying those things. First of all, as I was thinking, you had asked me um, the other day about what was what was some things that's most important that I felt was most important 
about being a good father. Um, number one on that list, I'd have to go with teaching your children, teaching my children to hate evil. I think that's got to be the most important um, job as a parent is to teach your kids to to hate evil. And that seems like it should be, um, you know, something a given, something that's um, that every parent, you know, should do and, and should know. But this really goes back personally with me because I have had to learn to hate evil. Um, Julie, my wife, she, from the time we was little, she has always hated things that were evil. Um, she, she didn't like watching movies with bad words. Um, she didn't like doing things that she shouldn't do. I, on the other hand, from my teenage years and growing up, it was a constant struggle for me to not do bad things. I knew that I shouldn't do bad things and I wanted to go to heaven and want to go to heaven. But I've constantly felt myself having to constantly an everyday struggle to not do things that were evil. I knew that I shouldn't do those things and I wanted to go to heaven and I love the Lord. But I was constantly fighting the urge to watch things that I shouldn't watch, to say things that I shouldn't say. And I think Julie helped me with this and helped me see this about myself that I didn't hate evil. I actually loved evil and it was a constant struggle not to do bad things. You know, whereas she and she has struggles, too. I don't want to paint the picture of her as being perfect, but but she, you know, of course, she has struggles, too. But but she doesn't like bad stuff. If a movie has a scene in it that's inappropriate, she doesn't want to see it. Whereas I want to see the movie and I make or not so much anymore. But before I would want to see the movie and would make excuses that, you know, well, it's just this one scene or it's not that bad or it's not as bad as this movie that we've seen. And constantly making excuses of why it should be okay. But God hates evil. God hates evil. And I think as Christians, we should hate evil also. We shouldn't be the type of Christians, if if we could even call ourselves Christians, that love evil things, but also try to serve God. The Bible says that you cannot love God and love the world. It's impossible. You got to choose one or the other. It's impossible to love God and love the world. So um, I've made that a we've made that a priority with our kids is to teach them to hate evil. And by the grace of God, we've been successful with that. Our kids will be the first ones to turn off a movie or turn off a song um, or anything that has evil in it because they don't enjoy evil. And I give God the glory for that. And I give Julie praise for that. Um, and it's been something that I've been able to learn over the years. But I think that as Christians, we should be the type of people that that don't like bad things and don't want to participate in bad things. Well, Caleb, I think that's good. And I think that there's definitely plenty of scriptures to back up what you're saying about hate and evil. Psalms 97 and 10 says, hate evil. You who love the Lord, who preserves the souls of his godly ones. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Also, Romans 12 and 9 says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. So that's just a few verses to which there's many, many more to what you're saying, especially in today's world. You know, there's evil everywhere, right at our fingertips. There's, you know, like you were saying, television, music, social media. There's just there's trouble there if you want to get into it. A big thing that you've done with your kids is just teaching them, first of all, what's right and what's wrong and teaching them that the things that are wrong don't have anything to do with them, period. 
And I think like for people like me and you, I, I was like you similarly, you know, I enjoyed partaking in the things that were evil when I was younger and had a hard time giving those things up. My wife's a lot like Julie. She didn't like evil things. You know, she's doesn't like all the things that you're saying about Julie, but I guess to your point, I guess what I would say is that people think a lot of people who were once evil and could walk away from it. But I think it's even better to like your point, say that there's some people who are never wanting to partake in evil to begin with. Now that's not to say that they, they haven't slipped up and they haven't sinned, but there's a difference between somebody who once loved doing evil and regularly did it and a person who hated evil from the beginning, but still messed up and sinned from time to time, you know, because the Bible says that we've all, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that is fact, but that's a good, that's a good start as far as raising godly children is teaching them to hate evil. So what would you say is another major thing that you try to do in your home? Okay. Um, I think it's a hard ask. I know looking at myself as a teenager, I think it's hard ask to ask our kids when they get out on their own at 18, 19, 20 to, to be able to have the strength at that age to overcome evil and to not partake in evil. That's a hard ask. It was a hard ask for me. Um, however, if we can teach them from the time they're a little bitty that evil is bad, I, I use uh, with with my with my kids. I, I use. I didn't come up with this. Um, you guys have probably all heard this same, uh, this uh, short story before about the dog poop and the dog poop and the pie, right? Have you heard that? Uh, I don't know if I have. So uh, it's a, it's an old story that a lady was uh, cooking a pie and she put a little bit of dog poop in it, just a little bit of dog poop. I mean, everything else was great. The pie even tasted good. You couldn't even tell the dog poop was in there, but it had a little bit of dog poop in it. And I asked my kids, would you eat that pie if it had a little bit of, just a little bit of dog poop, would you eat that pie? Of course, they'll all tell you, no, I wouldn't eat that pie because it's got dog poop in it. Well, how is that any different than a, than a song? It's got a little bit of dog poop in it, right? Well, then that ruins that ruins the whole song for me. And this is something I've had to learn over the years, and I'm still not perfect. But if it's got a little bit of dog poop in it, then I don't want it. If the movie's got one gay scene in it, then that movie's ruined. I don't want to see that movie. I don't want to give the people that made that movie my money. I don't want to support them. I don't want to support their agenda to try and get us to normalize these things that God calls evil. And um, that's something I had to go back, you know, from time to time and tell them, listen, you wouldn't need to pie with a little bit of dog poop. We don't want to watch the movie with a little bit of evil. I think that's a good point. So what would be your next tip for us? This is very uncomfortable for me, first of all, trying to, you know, t telling things and saying, well, this is what I've done that I've been successful with. I, I, I've, I've said before, said it a while ago, I, I feel very unworthy to even be having this conversation. But another thing that I think is important is to make, is to make our kids our top priority. Um, this is something that I had that I've had to do. It's not something I've always done, but it's something that I recognize the problem and I, and I, tried to make a change. Obviously God comes first in our lives um, and then our family, but part of being a good Christian, uh, probably the main part of being a good Christian as a man is being a good husband and a good father. Um, God has entrusted these children to us that we will return them to him. And that is a, that is a very, very frightening thing. Our kids should be our top priority. 
we've only got so much time in a day. We've only got so much energy to give. If we're giving all of our time and our energy to our friends or our work or go down the list, you name it, uh, football. I mean, it, we could all check off a list of a hundred things that take our time and take our energy. Our kids should be top on that list. They should be our top priority. If we're going to hurt somebody's feelings for not spending time with them, it needs to be our best buddy, not our children. I think that's a valid point. <clears throat> I think that's a big part of having a good relationship with anybody is spending an adequate amount of time with them just from, I guess, seeing it from the outside looking in that you have a pretty good relationship with your kids and your kids have a pretty good relationship with you. They seem like even though that you're their father and that, you know, they fear you, but they still love you and want to spend a lot of time with you. I've never seen them like, no, I don't want to go with my dad. A good thing to keep in mind because we do get so busy. Other things can can blind us and, and seem like they take top priority, but it's kind of like the same, the same thing that you're saying about the dog poop is like, you got to continuously redirect your priorities and think down your priority list and what, what you're serving and how you're spending your time. I see here that you have written down that discipline early is a good thing to do when you want to raise godly children. What do you, what do you mean by that? Can you go into that a little bit for us? When, when my kids were young, I had very little tolerance with my with my kids. They got spanked often. Um, I do believe in spanking. I think you've told me before that you that you're going to spank your kids when the time comes. Um, and of course, that's a biblical principle. The you know the Lord said to spare not the rod when talking about the kids. We have to discipline our children. And um, from my experience, if if you wait till they're four, five, six, you've waited too long. Um, my kids, I, I believe, do fear me. I think if you ask them, they would say that they do fear me. And I can, I'll say this now, not to say that they didn't need some spankings that they didn't get. I haven't spanked any of my kids in years. I couldn't tell you the last time that I spanked one of my children. Now, they might have needed one that they didn't get, um, but I haven't spanked any of my kids in a lot of years. But when they was little, when they was one and a half, two, three, I wore, I wore them out. Right? <laughs> if they done something wrong, they got a spanking. And I think at the young, tender age of one, two, three, that's when our kids learn the world. That's when they learn what they can get by with and what they can't get by with. Um, that's when they learn. Uh, I mean, when they become who they are, they get their personality. They build some character. Um, my kids probably don't remember me spanking. I'm sure they have distant memories of a spanking. I think because of my efforts when they was young in discipline, I think that's the reason now that I don't have to discipline my kids very often. Um, I think that if, like I said before, if we wait till they're four, five, six, seven, eight, well, we got a rough, you know, I can just say from what I've seen, that's a rough task to try and change a kid's mind on what's good and what's bad and what they should do and shouldn't do by the time they're eight years old. A lot of people, they, th when it comes to their mind of whooping their kids and stuff, it, it, they may go to an extreme in their mind. I think that as more than anything, a whooping is kind of a mechanism to grab their attention because you, you don't, obviously you don't want to whoop any of your kids. You're, you're hoping that your kids don't ever do anything to need a whooping for to begin with, but it's just the action of going through with your word, you know, like, and making them understand that when you do something wrong, there is a consequence to what you've done wrong. And I think that's kind of the, 
message that you're given by doing that. Like, Hey, you know, you mess up, you lied to me or something of that nature. There's a consequence to your actions and what you did. It's not just like, you know, well, you lied to me. We're moving on. No, there's a consequence. And that, you know, even as a kid, as a young kid, you can, you're going to be thinking about that. Like while you're thinking about, Oh my, you know, my butt is hurting a little bit from that whooping. You're going to be like, ah, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't think I want to do that again because I don't think I want that, that whooping. And like you said, obviously you haven't had to do that to your kids in a long, 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 long time. And, you know, like I said, your hopes that you don't ever have to, you don't ever need to whoop no, them again. You're, never. you don't, it's not a thing of, I, I, I would dare to say that, you know, people who do whoop their kids and choose to do that, it's not enjoying you know, I, I remember my dad always told me, he's like, you know, I don't, I don't enjoy doing this. I don't want to do this, but he did want me to turn out to be a good, you know, a good person. And so that was, that's why it happened. And I think that's the same thing that you're trying to do is like you said, get your kids back, back to God ultimately at the end of their lives. And so there has, there's consequence to our actions. We can see that in the Bible when, you know, especially in the old Testament, you know, there's a few times where when people sin, I guess the difference in the Old Testament was some of them got their punishment right then and there. You know, they were swallowed up or or something else. It's 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 coming. So <clears throat> if we as our earthly fathers and mothers, if we can give our kids at a young age, like Caleb saying, some of this understanding of action and reaction or you know, action and consequence, that's going to be something that's going to stick with them, hopefully through the rest of their lives. So when they do get into their teen years, you know, they, before they do do something that they shouldn't, there's that little bit of split second where they stop to think before they do that. Oh, there was, there's never been a time that I'd really discipline my kids in any ways, but especially uh, if they needed a spanking that it didn't absolutely break my heart. And I mean that. Yeah, I've had to start um, start spanking Barrett, my youngest Barrett, um, and man, who that's tough. I mean, it is tough um, to something that you love that much to inflict pain. But Barrett does not understand. You can't reason with Barrett. You can't set Barrett down, you know, at almost two years old, and explain to him why he shouldn't be uh, taking the other kids' toys. You know. But if he realizes every time I take that boy's toy, it hurts, well, he can understand that. You know, they understand pain. And that's the only thing I believe at that age that they understand, you know, truly, is that every time I do this, it hurts. I don't want to do this anymore. And there was never a time that I spanked one of my kids that we didn't spend 10 to 15 minutes hugging after the fact. You know, I spank them. I let them cry, get their crying out. And we just sit there and hug because it breaks my heart. And I want them to know that I love them dearly and deeply. And I've told them every time I say, I don't ever want to spank you again. I want this to be the last time that I ever spank you because it breaks my heart, you know, and that's up to you. That's what I tell them. As long as you hold up your end of the bargain and you do what you're supposed to do, I will never spank you again. It's completely up to you. You know, the difference in right and wrong. and uh, if you don't want any more spankings, then you just do right. And uh, we just hug and, you know, that's kind of how it goes. But, um, yeah, it, it should break your heart. 
you know, when you when you spank your kid, yeah, it should be hard. Yeah, I don't I don't think a lot of times that people think of the the after conversation and explaining the the consequences and why you did it. That's just as important, if not more important than the whooping itself, the explanation after the fact. And like you said, hugging and letting you letting them know that you love them, you know, because it it's not going to be to the same effect if they think that you're just doing it out of meanness. But when you're sitting there and explain to them how much you love them and why you're doing it, then it's, it comes out and it turns out it's a, it's a good result. Like you said, your, your kids, you haven't had to whoop them in a very, very long time. And I think that to itself speaks volumes. So, so I see the last thing that you have on the list here, Caleb is family Bible studies. Do you want to tell us a little bit how you conduct those at your house? So this is of everything on this list. This is my biggest failure. Um, and it is no doubt the most important thing on this short list that I wrote down. Um, I can say um, that I've been doing better with this because I recognize my failure and, and we have been having family Bible study at least every week. Um, man, it should be every night. What What is more important than, than studying the Bible with your family? I realized that a lot of the things that I thought my kids knew that I thought they were learning as I talked to my kids, they didn't know things that I thought was elementary that they, that they knew they don't know what, what can, what is more important than studying the Bible with your children? I mean, our kids, if we want them to grow up to love God and keep his commandments and to fear the Lord and keep his commandments, well, they have to know his commandments. They have to understand the Bible and they can understand, you know, uh, Fortnite maps. They can understand lots of things in this where they can understand the Bible and what God has called them to be and what he's called them to do. Um, and that is our responsibility as a parent to make sure that our kids know what the Lord expects of them. Far too many times parents leave that in the hands of the teacher or the preacher or however you want to put that to be the sole teacher of their children. And that it just can't be that way. Like you said, kids are just curious in nature. They're going to be always asking questions. I know you, you know, you probably get a thousand questions a day. Why? 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 You know, every time you try to explain something, why? There's no, I guess, greater questions that you could answer than to sit them down and answer these Bible questions that they have. Because ultimately, <clears throat> you know, they might have a lot of scary questions and you may not be able to fully explain everything to them at that exact moment. But you should at least sit down and try to explain it to them, because at some point there's going to be, I guess, harder and more meaty Bible answers that are going to come along if you don't, if you haven't even tried to explain anything to them, if they're, you know, they could go somewhere else to the world or wherever to look for their information. And that's the last thing that we want is them going to the world and looking for the information rather than going to the scriptures and finding, finding the answer in, in its context. So having that routine or foundation of family Bible study is a, a very, very important thing. And it's not, it doesn't have to be super complicated. I'm sure, I'm sure yours isn't the, you know, it doesn't even have to be super rigid. I would say your, your Bible studies, they probably aren't the most rigid. Are they Caleb? No, we, we have topic discussions. Um, if the kids have questions about something then we'll study that and we'll see what the Bible has to say about it. Um, you know, we just go to the Bible. I tell my kids, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what anybody, what matters is what the Bible says. Let's go to the Bible and see what God, the creator of the universe, has to say about this subject. 
And so we'll do topic studies if they have questions about a topic. If we don't have a topic to study that night, then we'll read. You know, we'll read a couple chapters and talk about it. Um, nothing, nothing crazy, that's for sure. Yeah. So it, it doesn't always have to be like you're putting together a sermon to do a family Bible study with your children. It can be something as simple as just reading, reading a few chapters and discussing what you've read. Well, I think that's been a pretty good discussion here for um, how to raise godly children. I really appreciate Caleb, Caleb agreeing to come on. I know this is a little bit outside his comfort zone, so I'm very thankful that he agreed to do this. And we hope that you'll join us for our next podcast and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more, go to chapelgrovechurch.com. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It helps others find us and lets us know how we're doing. Until next time, take care.